0: Let's take a look at Sunday's game plan. So the Bears are going to be without Kyler Gordon after obfuscating for a couple days and kind of revealing nothing. Kyler Gordon went on injured reserve with a hand injury. I understand it might be broken, Dan. You might have more details. That's a big loss. You lose your nickel cornerback uh, starting defensive back in a secondary that was promising. You lose one of your most effective blitzers on a team that doesn't like to apply pressure, only did 20% of the time with four or more rushers, uh, more than four rushers against the Packers. And Kyler Gordon, let's face it, it's his second-round pick in his second season. You need him to pay off, and this, this is going to slow his development uh, as, a, as a contributor and also hurt the Bears in the short term with his absence.
1: Yeah, there's no question about it. And it leaves you reshuffling at, at a place where you felt was an area of strength for you. You know, Kyler Gordon will miss a minimum of four games. We'll hopefully get updates as uh, time passes on, on. you know, did he need surgery? Did, is the recovery timeline feasible? When he comes back to play, is he going to have to play with something on his hand? All those types of things are questions up the road for Kyler Gordon. But in the immediate term, it leaves you trying to figure out where you're going to go with that slot corner position. Now, the next man up is Josh Blackwell. Josh Blackwell missed practice Thursday with a hamstring issue. Josh Blackwell's availability for Sunday um, looks more and more iffy. Greg Stroman was promoted from the practice squad to the 53 man uh, roster and is certainly an option for you in that position. Tyreek Stevenson also said after practice on Thursday, given the experience he had at times in college playing in in the nickel, that there's been at least some conversation on like, if if need be, you know, can you bump inside? Now I'd, don't think that's the direction the bears will lean. I don't think that's the direction they should lean because I think you want to get him playing comfortably outside and, and, and doing what he does there, but you need to find an answer, you know? And, and so now it's up to to Matt Eberflus. It's up to Alan Williams. It's up to that defensive coaching staff to figure out how do we plug in here uh, in a way that keeps us steady. And by the way, you're going to Tampa to to play two of the best receivers in the league in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin.
0: One question I'd like to explore and I'm thinking out loud here, but I do wonder this, if because I think that safety theoretically is a little bit easier position to learn and to play in the bears cover two scheme and in that kind of defense uh, alignment. Mm -hmm. I do wonder if Jaquan Brisker eventually might deserve Ramirez a look as a slot cornerback. He's versatile enough. Certainly he's physical. He's a good blitzer. And I do think he has the feet to be able to do that job. And if you could find somebody behind him who is maybe a better option than your fifth cornerback, who's pressed into duty, Maybe that's an alternative if Josh Blackwell isn't healthy and you have to go a different direction. Don't know if it's even feasible, but you do see him playing near the line of scrimmage and you're not worried about him getting caught up in traffic. It just presents another alternative if you want to be creative.
1: I love Jaquan Brisker. I'd be very concerned about his, his twitchiness and, and, and his ability to be quick twitch against some of those really quick yeah. slot receivers that can make life difficult for you. I don't think that's necessarily uh, in his forte, but, man, they've got, they've got to figure something out because, you know, you talk about reshuffling the parts. It always creates voids elsewhere, and, and that's why, you know, when we walked into the season, you and I said, look, like, depth is going to be tested on this roster, and depth, by the general manager's own admission, isn't where it needs to be yet in the, the rebuilding process. And so when you lose, um, you know, a starting guard like they lost with Tevin Jenkins, when you lose a starting slot corner, guys that are are, are not just guys, but guys that are supposed to be important to what you're building, you got to reshuffle in, in multiple areas, and it's not an easy chore.
0: Let's talk about Chase Claypool because there was a social media clip that uh, compiled and condensed all of his loafs or poor plays, missed blocks, kind of uh, – it, it, it was uh, definitely geared to make people aware that he didn't have a good game. I, I, I'm not always sure about the purpose. Social media has created this entire industry uh, <laughs> of, of either hype plays or the opposite. In the case Carnival of- or crisis, right? Yeah, carnival or crisis. <laughs> Chase Claypool, to me, did not play at a level that was acceptable. He's got to get better. He's got to show more uh more effort and he's got to take more pride in what he does. it's easy to say from the outside. That said Dan, I want to know what you think about it because my my sense is that yes, he needs to be dealt with yes maybe even held accountable if you want to make him inactive Lucycy talked about that we'll get into that but I don't think that Chase Claypool is at the top of the list of problems this Bears team needs to address in a week after they got blown up by the rival at home. What do you what do you mean by that? I mean that it has gotten an inordinate amount of attention in in Chicago this week, and and Bears Twitter and podcasts, whatever you want to, you know, you know the world that we yeah, live yeah. in. I, I have not been comfortable with the amount of attention it has warranted versus the amount of attention I think it deserves. Yeah, you've got a disgruntled player or a dis- disappointing player who isn't coming through, and I realize he symbolizes a lot of work. yes, yeah. Ryan Poles is and what Matt Eberflew stresses. But if you're going to tell me that sending Chase Claypool a message is going to make the difference this week, okay, maybe. But I I, I, I don't don't see it as big of an issue as a lot of people – have this week.
1: So I got a couple of things to share with you that'll be new to you, but I think the, the significance is that th- there is a symbolism to it because it's a symbolism of the culture that you said you were building, that we're gonna be an effort based football team that finishes every single play with great aggression and, and you know and so like when when you have a guy so blatantly Uh, and flagrantly violating the standard that has been set here for uh, 15 months. When you have a guy that was traded for a year ago and valuable draft capital was given up, when you have a guy that was supposed to be part of this uh, dynamic receiving core that was going to help take your quarterback to the next level, and that's the season opening performance that he delivers, people start to get justifiably worried about, about what all's happening here and what all they can uh, believe in and what all, you know, they can puncture with a, you know, like a balloon with a pin. Um, and so I think that's part of what this is. The other part of this is uh, you mentioned Matt Eberflus not only leaving the door open, but seemingly pushing it open for the idea that Chase Pool might not be inactive, or might be inactive in week two directly asked about that uh, earlier in the week said, you know, we're exploring all possibilities, which would, would give you the indication that, well, Thursday evening here at house hall is, is assistant coach time. And we visited with Tyke Tolbert just a little bit ago and he was asked, you know, are you expecting chase to be active? And, and he said, you know something? I don't know. I, I, I certainly assume he will be active on Sunday in Tampa and, and indicated that chase Claypool has been taking his normal reps with the offense and so if that was in the plans it certainly hasn't been in the practice plans and so um that's one of those instances david where i think this is a, a, another example where the head coach in trying to you know create some illusional competitive advantage creates more of an issue because that did get traction out it there totally in, in the did. real world he gave know? it
0: credence right he, did. he, 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 he didn't he didn't shoot it down
1: Right. And so what happens? It, it, it takes on a life of its own. And then yeah. what ha- what happens on Wednesday and Thursday, Chase Claypool dodges the media uh in, in the locker room. He hasn't been available to talk to us at all since Sunday, Sunday afternoon. And, and so now you're going, okay, so what's going on here? You know, like just hit these things head on. Like, like you said earlier, you know, and Tychober did this just outside these, these walls here a little bit ago. He just, Real talked it, acknowledged that that effort and that performance was not up to 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 par. uh, That there's been conversations had with the head coach and the receiver, with the receivers coach and the receiver. That Chase has gotten the message on, like, look, like this is what we need out of you, and we understand you want the ball a bunch, and we we understand that you think you can help this team more than you're being given the opportunity to help it. But you got to channel your energy in the right direction for the entire group and organization, and that wasn't done in week one. And so, man, there, yeah, there is a lot to this storyline, um, and I'm not so sure that they've done a, a, a terrific job at, at managing it, which to you and I probably doesn't come as a great surprise.
0: Not a huge surprise at all. This re- this reveals to me as much inexperience in terms of leading a team as we saw in the entire first season under Matt Eberflus. This was something that he created, and now there's not going to be, there's going to be much ado about nothing, and he opens himself up to more criticism that way. This is the way I would have handled it, and, and I and I know it's easy for us to say, but as I said, I, I'm i not dismissing or diminishing the fact that Chase Claypool needs to have more effort and play and, and block more willingly, but he's far from your biggest problem, and that's what I would have said in real talk, and I would have said if I were Matt Eberflus, yeah. look, We've got a left tackle that had four penalties. We've got a defensive tackle, a three technique, who didn't show up on the stat sheet. (laughs) We've got a wide receiver that we neglected who's a number one guy and got two targets. We've got a quarterback that turned the ball over twice in the final 20 minutes of of a game. We have more issues than whether or not our our, our number three wide receiver can block a screenplay. And I really think that when he you know, said what he said or didn't say what he didn't say, he let us all, let everybody, like, point the fingers and look at that and fixate on that. The Bears have a lot more problems than Chase Claypool, let me tell you.
1: Yeah, I don't disagree with you, but but it's also a problem <laughs> until it's not. And and so they've got to make sure that this doesn't become something that unravels on them. You want a um, guy
0: that I want challenged in the offensive huddle? Braxton Jones. You know, I mean Bra- – Four penalties is unacceptable for a starting left tackle. I don't care all the things that, you know, Well, it was a group effort in the false start. And he had four penalties. He's a no, starter. That's ridiculous. Got to,
1: got to get better. A hundred percent. And he owned his his stuff in the, in the locker room on Wednesday, talked about <laughs> his need to improve. The whole group needs to get better. And that's why, you know, it wasn't just a loss Sunday to the Packers. It was a loss that exposed almost everything. Everything, right, and that's why it's been so jarring in the city this week because it exposed almost everything. And you go into Tampa without any real confidence in what is that that sort of stability for you, and that that's part of the problems. Chase Claypool has got to be part of the solution now, though, right? Mm-hmm. uh And Tyke Tolbert said that he, you know, he he has learned over the last whatever it's been now, ten months on on there's different buttons to push. He said I don't I don't believe in coaching all my guys the same. The guys deserve different treatment by based on what motivates them and what what kind of unnerves them. And and so they're they're working to manage that. And that we'll see how successful they were based on what we see uh again on Sunday afternoon under the under the lights at, at Raymond James Stadium.